radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And tonight's show is going to prove very enjoyable. Very often said very you know, special. This and that. This is very enjoyable. Like always. No, no, this is going to be very enjoyable. You'll see why in a second. We're going to start off first with a, a nace. I got a call. I get calls all the time, but I got a call from somebody who wants to share with me his personal miracle. He has a child going off to Israel next year, and I don't know if you know, but it costs a lot of money to send a child to Israel to one of these yeshivas and seminaries. And, and this fellow is, has been out of a job for a very long time, and recently he got a, a job part-time, and he took undertook because he wants his child to he, he, he wants his child to be able to enjoy the uh, pleasures of, of being in Eretz Israel and to gain something from the from from her, the experience, and so he decided to take it on, even though he didn't know where the money would come from. So he got all excited today. He called me up and he told me that money came to him from something absolutely unknown. He knew nothing about it. And the way he got the money, I'm not going to discuss the details, but the way he got the money, the person who got the money for him said, it's going to cost you 15%. So 15%, okay, but he's going to get money that he never expected to get. And sure enough, they got for this fellow over $11,000 which is about half the money he has to spend for his child next year. So he saw, he saw that Yad Hashem Mamish breakthrough here. Where in the world was he going to come up with this money? I mean, he'll get the other half somehow. But that's the, uh, that's the miracle. And uh, it really happens to all of us every single day. We just don't realize it. Happened to me. I'm not going to go into details. A small little thing happened right in front of my house. Uh, yeah. We, which we consider to be almost an ace, but I'm not gonna, it's a personal thing I'm not going to share with you. But if you keep your eyes open, you will see these miracles occurring every single day in your life. And if you don't, it's a problem with you. So I told this fellow, I said, now you're gonna be, you have to be aware of these as they come along because there are plenty of these things going on every single day. The second thing I want to share with you was the call that I got a few minutes earlier from that one. And this one is uh, a blessing, but it's a, it was a challenge. woman was looking for my magazine. She didn't know where it was available. She was called up. How can I get the magazine? That's why I don't know what she wanted. I think she was looking for the symbols or the social symbol list. And, uh, and that was what she was basically uh, asking me. And I told her we could get it. I said, well, what's the problem? She told me the problem. Uh, that, that she had a good problem. A woman is going to be able to is marrying off a child. The only trouble is the child doesn't live here in, in the state. The child lives in another country. And the parents are being expected to make the wedding in this other country and they know nothing about the cashers in that country. And the country doesn't speak, people in the country don't speak English. So it's, it's a little bit of a challenge. And uh, the child doesn't want to have it in the States. The child wants to have it where they're living. So it's a bracha. The child wants to get married. Marrying is, uh, you know, 
Jewish people, they're getting married and they're doing proper things. But unfortunately, the parents are now bewildered. How are we going to put this thing together? She told me the name of the country. I said, that's a tough country. <laughs> you know, there's some good ones, the easy ones. You know, if you go to, told me it was England, first of all, a lot of, everyone speaks English. Canada, everyone, I mean, even if it's, uh, even, it's even the French-speaking country, everyone speaks English. And it's, it's not, uh, not a, as difficult as all that to get, you know, to get, get across in, in, in your mama in English. And in addition to that, a place like England, you have so many good hashkafas, wonderful choices. I don't know if we have in this country any better than that. That's very, very high level, beautiful, beautiful level in, in, in some of those hashkafas there in, in, in England. But this woman had a situation where it was a non-English speaking country. And, I, and I, when she mentioned the country, I said, this is a challenge. He said, there's one man in that country that you can trust. I gave her the telephone number. I gave her the cell number. And I told her, that's the man that you can trust. If he can't make the simple with his some caterer that he has, then he will direct you and help you to wherever you're going to make it. And if you don't get what you need, call me back. So in the end, she didn't get the magazine. Maybe she'll pick it up somewhere. I don't know. That's her problem. <laughs> but uh, here, here's the woman, you know, who's just looking for the magazine. The magazine wouldn't have helped her. She would st sit and stare at it and see in that country close to 20 hashkafos. And she wouldn't know a thing about them. And I'll tell you, most anybody in America doesn't know a thing about that country and what's going on over there in Poland. It is, it is a challenge in that country. And I've run through, I can't tell you how many problems I've come across. And the only time I said in the last uh, 35, 40 years, I mean, the first year maybe I did something I wouldn't do again. But to use the words, not recommended, I only used on one gentleman. And all this time I said, not recommended. And because we found numerous cautious errors. It was just flagrant. So that's the only time I ever said Cashless Magazine says it's not recommended. <laughs> I felt that, you know, I had to protect my readers to some degree. It was, it was so many mistakes. And he, he met with me and he begged me to it's gonna change, it's going to straighten it out. And of course, it never happened. And, but that's the country. <laughs> so I, I, I wish her luck. And that was very interesting. Of course, anybody who's trying to make a simple, you have to make sure, outside of your Daladamas, and I forget about another country, once you go outside of where you are used to, Ashkachas that you are used to, it's very hard to put together, is this comparable or not comparable? Very, very hard to figure out. Now, why did I say you're going to enjoy tonight? Because the topic that I picked, this is for my wife, the topic that I picked, is the halachas and the kashras of Shwokra. And I'm going to share with you things that maybe you do know already, maybe you don't, but some of the things that maybe to review, but they're very interesting, all put together by my good friend of Moshe David Leibovitz, who puts out the series called Halachically Speaking. This was done a number of years ago because a lot of people he mentioned 
in the article um, were living then and they're not living anymore. So, in fact, you know, pretty much almost everybody has passed on. And the people who we said were uh, Shlitas, unfortunately, I don't know if any of them are living today. And it wasn't, so it wasn't that many years ago because we lost a few Gedolim in the last bunch of years. But this is a, a piece that went back and it's a very, very good piece about the halachas and kashas of chocolate from Rabbi Moshe Dovah Leibowitz. You can get it online, I'm sure. Halachas of kashas and chocolate. And uh, his, his, his series of articles and his books are called Halachically Speaking. Two L's in Halachically. It's actually three L's in Halachically. With the two in the end. Okay, so here we go. Here are his questions. Uh, can you drink hot chocolate before daven? Okay. What bracha is made on chocolate? Is a bracha achrona recited on hot cocoa? What bracha is made on chocolate-covered products, like chocolate-covered uh, peanuts or almonds? How is chocolate machine, uh, chocolate machine kosher? That's a big question in the industry, how you can kosher if a chocolate. Does Bishal Akam apply to chocolate? These are some of the questions that he took in on here, but that's much more interesting than that. Let's start first with what chocolate is. I know it tastes good. I know real the chocolate that we see is dark. And that's about all the average person knows unless they've studied about how chocolate is made. But it's very helpful to understand how it's made because it ties into a lot of the halakos that we're going to be discussing today. So everybody knows there's a tree. It's called the cacao tree, cocoa, K-A, I'm sorry, C-A-C-A-O, like cacao. They have a, it produces a fruit that's uh, like a small pineapple that size. And inside the fruit, This, this fruit that's on the cacao tree. The beans are roasted, and that brings out their flavor. And then they winnow the beans in order to remove the meat of the bean from the shell. This is known as the nib. A nib is, is, is the meat of the bean. Cocoa beans are half fat. Therefore, the nibs turn into a liquid when they're ground. It's called chocolate liqueur. Liquor, I'm sorry, chocolate liquor. The chocolate liquor is this liquid that's produced when they grind the nibs. If the chocolate liquor were, was allowed to cool and solidify, it would be what we call unsweetened chocolate. So that's actually just the chocolate liquor, liquor drying out. That's what we call unsweetened chocolate, which people use in baking. Another option is to squeeze out the fat from the cocoa bean. This is, and then what happens is the, the bean becomes dry, and it can be ground into cocoa powder. So now we know what cocoa powder is. It's uh, after you take the nib, and you do this, you do that, and you take the bean, and then you, what you do is you squeeze out the fat, and then uh, we, we, after that, this dry bean is ground into the cocoa powder. Those are the raw kinds of chocolate. But our chocolate products have 
sugar and milk and flavors, etc., added to it. And also the certain um, ingredients that you need, emulsifiers, etc., to help the process along. Then the chocolate goes into what they call a conch, which is a machine that refines the chocolate and blends it into a smooth paste. Uh, milk chocolate is a combination of chocolate liquor, milk, sugar, and cocoa. You might say cocoa powder, the cocoa. Now, uh, the question comes up about drinking chocolate, hot chocolate before dabbing. Well, what is hot chocolate to you? Everybody knows it's got milk in it. Some people, the majority is the milk, and the, the, uh, the, the cocoa part is just the flavoring that's added to the milk. So that's the shyla of whether you can have that before you dab it. Plain tea, or plain coffee, which is almost all water, is acceptable before davening. Some people use it to help clean their body out. Some people use it to, give them a, uh, to get, them, get them started in the day. Uh, but, it, but it's not done as a regular food. It's not something, you know, that you're, uh, you're, getting, you're trying to get your, uh, your, 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 your different uh, parts of your diet taken care of. You're not looking for calories and your carbs and your proteins. You're not looking for that there. You're just using something to get you started in the morning. And most people are making on tea and coffee with sugar, without sugar, with milk, without milk. Questions brought down in the, in the, in the poiskim, and everybody does what they're going to do. But as far as the hot chocolate, which is mostly milk, that's a, a little bit of a shyla, and some people are machmir on that. What about a brocha on a hot drink? It doesn't just uh, go for uh, you know, hot cocoa now. It goes for tea and coffee, anything hot. So the first thing you have to do is you have to make sure it's not too hot. Because when a person draws out that coffee or tea or, or hot cocoa, right away it's extremely hot. It's, not, it's, it's more than yad to let it go. And nobody can drink it that way. So if, what, if you make the bracha too early, then you're going to pause between the bracha and drinking it. You're going to realize when it gets close to your lip, you say, ooh, that's hot. And then you're going to stop. And there's a hefseg, or a shayla of a hefseg, between the bracha and drinking. So therefore, the best thing to do is to wait a little bit and make sure that it's drinkable, before you make the bracha, because then right afterwards you have to drink. Next question. Chocolate during a meal. So even, it make, even though you know you're going to have some chocolate, I always have chocolate. Not, it's not true, I'm just saying this. I, I always have chocolate for my dessert. I always like to put out some chocolates for dessert, Shabbos. So, uh, and yeah, that's what I do every single week. Doesn't that become part of the meal? The answer is no. And we do it even before we bust off the table while the food is still there. Right? We don't, uh, even after we have a better dessert. But chocolates, you know, like the so, so pasuk at the end of the thing. No. If you're ha it's not considered to be a food. A chocolate is a, is a plain nosh. It's, it, 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 any of those things, uh, candies of any sort, do not belong as part of the meal. 
definitely not Lalafis Boas of Pas, and therefore it needs a Shahako on it. Even though you want to have it in the meal. Now that's general. But if you specifically have in mind that you're going to pot it up with the Hamotzi, the, shaha, the, the, the Bracha on that, it works. How do I know? Sam Sofer said that since he was six years old, he, did, he wouldn't eat sugar, wouldn't take sugar, except during a meal. So sugar is not a food, but if he wanted to have it, he would have in mind when he, when he made hamotzi that it should cover that too. But minastam, in general, it doesn't cover it. What bracha do we make on shuakot? Well, that's sort of silly. Everybody knows it's shahako, but it's not so simple. It's like everyone makes shahako on the orange juice. But uh, really, in terms of the halacha, it's a big, big issue. The Chazanish said that, that, that our, our orange juice should be very pre So it's not a simple matter. But let's go through it a little bit. The halacha is that a food which is normally consumed after being ground and produced, you know, it retains its original bracha. So if that's the only way you eat, now, not the original form, we ground it, we pressed it, we did whatever we had to do, and we created this, uh, the cocoa and the, and the, and the chocolate liquor, and the, we, we paid all the parts of it, right? We're not eating the original chocolate nib, we're not eating the original chocolate bean, we're not doing that. So, it, but it's changed in somewhat, so maybe the bracha should be beret priho eight, because it grows on a tree. Shahako and chocolate, since the bean has been chained, and it's, it's in the process of making the chocolate, it's seriously chained. We call nishtanin. Others explain why we make a shahako because the bean is not eaten as is, but it's mixed with other ingredients. And in many cases, that's the majority, the other ingredients, and the, and the chocolate part is the minority. Another reason people say we make a shahako on it is that the bean. Uh, is modified to the liquid state and it becomes like a new entity. It's not a bean at all. It's not a, it's not a bean that grew on a tree. It's a liquid. Therefore, the broken shahakol, and that's the minig that everybody has. I'm going to else doesn't have that minig. Um, but it's, but, but it was an old shiloh. Originally, this was a shiloh, old bracha to make on. Yeah. Now, let's say somebody made for eight. On a, on a piece of chocolate. Maybe he's a, a balchuva. Maybe he doesn't, he heard once that it grows in a tree, whatever it is. So he started making a very pretty eighth on chocolate. So the dievet, yotza, because it comes from chocolate, it comes from a tree. So things that emanated from a tree, even though they're not halakhically considered to be very pretty but the uh, dievet, that bracha works. Now, what about bracha achrona? So, you know, we're not talking about bracha and chocolate. I mean, at first, I don't, I don't know how many people can eat that much chocolate. Maybe, maybe an ounce. I don't know. So it's, it's a lot of whatever they, whatever they want you to have. It's a lot. But the problem is more with the, uh, with the hot cocoa. So there's a big discussion. Whenever you have a hot drink, what you're supposed to do. The Mishnah Brewer in Be'olacha, he suggests, that a person should have, I strongly recommend that a person should save over 
uh, let's say you're having a tea or a coffee, you should save over enough for Rodias, which would be the, the amount you have to drink in order to say a Brachachrona. But you can't say it every time you drink it because it's too hot, which means it's going to take too long for you to get that amount. So what's that amount? Let's use the numbers that David Feinstein gave us, which the recommended number is 4.42 fluid ounces. Four and a half ounces. Four and a half ounces is a seven-ounce cup, right? So it's most of the seven-ounce cup. And you have to drink that in uh, the, how much time? So that's a, I'm going to show you in a second what that is. So nobody really has it down pat. But where do you draw the line? We'll, we'll decide together. But still, it, it, you have to drink it in a short period of time. Now, it's burning hot. You first start drinking, for sure. And you want a hot drink. Now, what the Chavetz Chaim is telling you is, cool off till there's four and a half ounces, four and a half ounces at the end, and drink that. In other words, so how big is the coffee cup? Okay, I've seen coffee cups that look like Elio and Nubby's coffee cup, right? You've seen those big ones. But we're talking about what you use in your house at seven ounces. So now that's the majority of what you're going to drink for your hot drink. Let it get cold and then drink. That's what the cup of time is telling you to do. Unless you have the big, <laughs> unless you have the, you know, you're having the, the Elio and Nubby uh, cup of coffee or cup of uh, hot chocolate. So there's a big problem now. How much time do I have? How much, how do I have to drink to be able to say a bracha? So now Rabbi Leibovitz gives you about, I don't know, 10 opinions over here. I'm not going to go through all of it. I'm just going to tell you a little bit. One, of course, is the famous two to nine minutes. Some people use the number two minutes. Some people say... 20 seconds, somebody says 30 seconds. I got the names here, but I don't want to confuse you. But they different names. If you want to see the article, you'll see it. It's called the Halachas and Kashras of Chocolate. But uh, he, he's got uh, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Others say three sips. You see, in the Gemara, they were discussing what's the proper way to drink. If a person drinks in uh, three sips, that's like a fancy person trying to show off. Like he's so fancy. He sips it. You know, only three, he takes something to drink is kind of three sips. He doesn't do it uh, just to get it down. He's got to, you know, lift his pinky up and, and, and make a whole big deal about it. And it takes him three sips to finish his drink. If a person drinks it in one, then it looks like he's starved and he's it's uncouth, and that's no good. The recommended way is in two sips. Now, if they're talking four and a half ounces in two sips, that's hard even with, a, with something like grape juice or wine or Coca-Cola, whatever it is, you know, water, orange juice. It's hard to do that. Within, within in two or two sips. Okay, so halakhically allowed three sips. But past three sips, even 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 
two minutes, nine minutes. Not everybody agrees to that. But David Feinstein uh, Schlitter told me that you can't make a bracha acharona on a drink if you had it in more than three sips. No time issue. No 20 seconds, 30 seconds. You cannot make a bracha acharona. You should not make a bracha acharona if you had it in more than three sips. There are people that learn two minutes, etc. And we have the Chavetz Chaim saying, please, Rabbi Yisai, cool it off. Take your four and a half ounces and two sips, three sips at the end. But that is counterintuitive to the idea of drinking a hot drink. And the same thing happens, by the way, with a cold drink. Ice cold soda. Cannot make a bracha on it. It's ice cold. You're sipping it. It takes you 10 minutes. It took you 10 minutes to finish that. It was real cold. It was ice cold beer. Ice cold beer. Ice cold. Maybe ice cold beer, they finish faster. But ice cold soda. You schlep it out. You're never going to make it. Because there's no bracha from The person has to be cognizant how he is eating and how he is drinking. Does he have the shear for bracha krona, for achila? Does he have the shear for the bracha krona of ashvia? This is the this is a job that each person has to undertake. When you start to eat, you have to think about the future. I have to make a bracha krona if I can. Now I have to know it. Did I can or I can't? I still remember one one person coming from Israel, collecting money. He stopped at my house. And I, and, and I gave him a tea. I gave him money also, so don't worry. I also I gave him a tea or something. And I told him, uh, you know, something he said to me. I said, something about a corona, you got to cool off, whatever. I don't know what I, 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 I forgot what I told him. But he said to me, bracha corona on tea? You don't make a bracha corona on tea. As he was trained, you don't make a bracha corona on tea. I had a boy also in Israel. I, I taught in Israel for a short time. And I... I had a Talmud over there who also said the same thing. He laughed at me. He said, there's no bracha achrona on tea. <laughs> it, didn't even, it wasn't even a question by him. It wasn't even the shyly. There is no bracha achrona on tea. That's how many people were trained. Tea, coffee, hot chocolate. Uh, they weren't trained enough with the ice-cold soda. Maybe they don't get it cold enough, but the real ice-cold soda, you can't drink it that fast. So this is a per person has to be aware whether they're drinking, now David said 4.42 ounces. He also said at other times 3.3. I even said 2.9 on something. But I, I still think we are going to be machmir, child from Bracha Akrona, Bracha Shein Tricha, and Bracha Akrona. And to despise them, it's a question of a Bracha, of taking Shem Hashem Lashav. So definitely it's could die to be machmir if you're not having four and a half ounces in two or three sips. It's a big question. You should make a bracha acharona. Do you have to force yourself like the Chavot time? The minigal ilum basically is that you don't force yourself to what the Chavot time said. We say we're not mechuyim, but it is a shaila. And if a person wants to be a yereshamayim, he could try to do what the Chavot time says or to one of the other people, and maybe the 22nd rule, or <laughs> I don't know what you want to do. But I was trained for three, three sips maximum, and uh, no, no time element at all. Okay. Sucking on chocolate. 
Oh, I forgot to tell you this piece. This is, this is from the old days. The Debrett Cena wrote, he had a very good idea. I don't know what, what you know about it, but we mentioned it here before, but you should know it anyway. The big Shiloh, summer Shiloh, right? We mentioned the iced coffee, okay. The iced coffee and the iced, and the iced uh, soda. Now let's go to the other one. The other big Shiloh is ice cream. So the question is, can you make a bracha on an ice cream? That one is a big one. And if you never heard it, you heard it here now. Making a bracha on an ice cream is very, very, very special. Because what is ice cream? Is it a solid or is it a liquid? Well, you see, it's solid. You're chewing it, eating it, right? But if you didn't chew it or eat it, it would melt. So we went through this before. The, the halacha is that snow and ice and all that could be used to make a mikvah. Why can you use to make a mikvah? It has to be water. Because snow is water. Ice is water. But it's solid. Now you see it as solid. But halacha looks like a, at it like a liquid. So ice cream may be considered to be a liquid. And if it's a liquid then you have to have, according to using Rav Moshe's uh, David Feinstein uh, ruling here about how much, 4.42 ounces. Look at the, look at that average. Look at any of the novelty. That they, they call it, what they call it, novelty. You know, ice cream in a little funny way, shapes and things. Look at it, they say it's three fluid ounces. It doesn't make the size of four and a half ounces. That's the first question. And it has a covering and etc. But it doesn't have, uh, it only has three ounces, not four and a half. So it's a big Shiloh. If it's a liquid, you make a bracha achrona. And, 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 and if, if you're going to make the bracha achrona, then you have to have it in two or three swallows. Nobody wants to eat ice cream. With a time clock, with a, with a pushing it down your throat. When it's not like when I'm in Coney Island eating and stuffing hot dogs, and enjoying an ice cream, licking it, taking little spoonfuls, enjoying it. It's creamy, it's fun. You don't stuff it in. That's that's counterintuitive, counterproductive. You know, you don't, you're killing the whole thing, using it up quickly, and you don't like it that way, and, and you're forcing yourself, and it's, it's not even, it's not, it's not pleasurable even in a certain manner. So what are you supposed to do? Well, I can't tell you. The best is to have something else to make a bracha from. Uh-huh. That's the best. The Debrit Sina Rub, though, did say something. I can't remember if it's in Sam Sofer or not. It's too many years ago. I remember learning this in his Sefer. He, he, he said that what you should do is you should chew or you should take a candy, a sucking candy, or uh, something like a I don't think gum works. I think it's sucking candy or something. Put in your mouth and then have your ice cream with this in your mouth. And this will be an achila and the whole thing turns into a shiloh and achila. And then you're working with the rules of achila. And if you have achila, if it's eating and not drinking, then two to nine minutes is enough. So most people will finish it and talk. 
That's what the difference between the broad and I brought that in to show you that the question about schlepping it but having something else in your mouth, which I thought was a very interesting idea. Now here I'm going back to sucking, sucking on a chocolate. Many people do that. They have, you know, the, the kids have to bite into it maybe and gobble it up in a second and grab another one. Because if you're a little older, maybe you suck on it and you, you schlep it out a little bit because you can't eat that many of them. So you run that one or two and you'll suck and enjoy it slowly, slowly, slowly. Then they can't make a bracha on it. Because sucking on it is not, without biting it, is not a heel. It's not the normal manner of eating. This is what I'm telling you now from, believe it or not, he's quoting and so I don't know if anybody disagrees with it but that's who he quoted saying that this is not called an achila anyway the amount of chocolate that you would get in sucking on it you probably wouldn't hit the shear even of an ounce or ounce and a half in the, in the amount of time so if you're sucking it yes, a bracha rishon is required but a bracha throna probably not required. Now we come to the chocolate-covered products. So the, 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 they used to be raisins, but to, a lot of us eat today more peanuts and, and almonds, whatever it is, the chocolate-covered variety. So what are you supposed to do? Is it one bracha, two brachas, which bracha? Well, if you think about it, there's one peanut inside, or one raisin, or one almond inside and it's chocolate outside. And you know and I know that the almond is probably cheaper and the peanut for sure than the chocolate. So they want to get more peanut and almond in there than to give you chocolate. Also, people really can't take so much concentrated chocolate. They like the chocolate as a little lift to the food. So the question is, is it two brachas, one bracha, which bracha? So Rabbi Moshe Feinstein Paskin, and this is something I remember from the old days, from the 80s, this is a, a Rabbi Moshe Feinstein told us that it, you make two brachas, and not only you make two brachas, you've got to make a bracha on the, on the chocolate part and a bracha on the peanut or raisin or whatever it is inside. Now, how do you do that? So you have to break it up with a knife or bite into it and take it off or something, but you can't. How are you going to make two brachas at the same time? You can't. It's not, you're not getting to the inside yet. You don't, you don't make two brachas in the thing. You take one bracha, and he, now Rabbi uh, Leibowitz is, t- is telling you to make a shakal on the chocolate and an eighth on the inside. I think Rabbi Moshe said the other way around. I can't tell you now. I don't have a safer in front of me, but I believe Rabbi Moshe said the other way around. That yet, and if he didn't say it, I would say anyway, you should say how eights first. But again, you can't get to it. So uh, if you, with the, uh, what we used to do was to break out off the chocolate. They got the, uh, the inside and eat that, and then, then make the broth on the chocolate. But, uh, if, you, but if, you, if you're doing whatever you leave with, says you make the broth on the outside. And then when you get to the inside, you bite it off or something, and then you have something inside. And then you, then you have to hold it in your hand and make the broth on it then. But it's a challenge. This is a, a and, and Moshe said this. He wasn't. 
it, it wasn't common. It was Kiddish when Mamakin said it. Everybody had thought it's the Shahakal Kalakiddish, the Nash and something's inside. And you'll see in a second what Rabbi Libra is going to say in the next topic. Um, some people, many people, he said, said the brocha is only on the majority ingredients. So uh, he quotes Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach and Rav Yoshev on that one, that you're going for the majority. So the majority, by the way, was probably the nut, the raisin, uh, and not the chocolate. I mean, they enrobe it, but, and, they, and of course, if it's more high-end, they give you more chocolate. But usually, it's not the majority. I mean, as far as I see, could be I'm wrong, maybe you'll disagree. But whatever it is, that's what they wanted to say. And, it, and really, um, some said it goes, it goes according to what you really want. Do you want the raisin or the, or the almond, or do you want the chocolate? Well, you know and I know the answer to that. You want both. Because if you didn't want both, you'd buy a bar of chocolate, or you'd buy a bunch of uh, almonds. You want the two together, fine. But which is the ikat to you? It's impossible for you to decide because really you chose a combination. So I don't know if it's easy for people to say which they really want. They love this flavor. I'll give you a better example that everybody knows. That would be the ice cream sandwich. What broccoli do you make an ice cream sandwich? So there are those that say, make a charcoal. You're only holding on to the sandwich because it's, it's, you have to get you can't hold ice cream in your hands, <laughs> so it's it's a it's a holder like a, like the uh, the cup you know they have a, eating the cup that's edible, it's made out of mizonos, so this is made out of mizonos. But that's not on, because you could have bought a, a, a ice cream on a stick. You could have bought the, the ice cream in a cup. When, and, and, and it's a throwaway cup that doesn't taste like anything. You could have bought a sugar cone, which tastes like something, and you'd make a broth on it. You decided to buy ice cream sandwich, and you know that you like both, but you really need two broths. The only time, this is my little finish, the only time you could claim that you're only going to make a shahako is that when you went to the store, they didn't have any Dixie cups. They didn't have any popsicles. They didn't have any, any other novelty. The only thing they had was an ice cream sandwich sitting in the bottom there. And you say, well, I'll take it. <laughs> then you could say that your kavana wasn't to have the ice cream sandwich. You just want ice cream. But the truth is, you want that. You want that thing, too, that your sandwich. You have to make a mizonas on it. Now, there, you're going to definitely make the mizonas first because it's the outside. Uh, but, and that's... Uh, you don't have, by the way, shear probably for brachachron of either of them. So that creates another beautiful uh, mix-up over there. But whatever it is. But maybe if you eat it all together quickly, and then maybe if you're saying that, if, I don't know, I'm not going to say. <laughs> you have to ask your own local rabbi. Uh, let's go back to our, uh, and then here's the next shot that he has. It's the chocolate bar with almonds. So this one you know and I know the majority is the is the chocolate. There's definitely almonds in there. Some of them are big almonds and a whole almond, and you really feel it. But overall, there's got to be more chocolate than almond. So in there, Rabbi Leibowitz says, just a shot. I don't know if everyone would agree. I could see a big thing like an almond 
a person taking it out and making it draw cards. I could see that. But he said, we'll go after the majority, almonds in the chocolate bar are the minority, and enhancing ingredients. See, enhancing ingredient, I would agree if it was chopped up. But if it's a whole almond, I don't think it's an enhancing ingredient. I think it is a standalone pleasure, just the way it was in the chocolate-covered almond. That's my theory. But he says that you should be making only a shahako, and that's it. Now, the, he discusses peels. I don't know if you eat this stuff, uh, but they have uh, like orange uh, peels and uh, other kind of peels that they chocolate-covered. Everything's chocolate-covered. They enrobe it with chocolate. It's everything. Uh, you know, the, the, the fruits and the, the, the peels, everything gets enrobed. So he, uh, he said, which I agree 100%, he says the, the food is normally not eaten alone, and it's covered with chocolate, so, and you put chocolate on it, so then uh, it's got, got to be a shako. It's not a regular food. But I don't think you have to say that. Maybe that's what he meant, but the orange peel is never going to be bare prey. If you eat orange peel, you, can make a, you have to make a shako because it's not the, the regular fruit. When you eat the orange peel together with the orange or the, or the white stuff that's inside the orange, so if you eat that, so it, you don't have to make a new bracha on it. But if you eat it alone, the bracha is shahaka, as far as I understand. Now, here's an interesting question about Shabbos. What about coloring? Now, You're adding some color, you know, powdered color, whatever it is, into the food to give it a color. But okay, then maybe maybe that's a little bit worse. But the uh, but basically there isn't any and the question about what drinks. So some say there's no sphere in drinks, and others say that coloring would be a drink would be problematic. The postkim say there's no concern coloring liquids when putting milk into black coffee or putting chocolate syrup into milk. But you have to, but however, one must avoid any problems of lush. I don't know how you're going to have lush. Lush is when you take a solid and a liquid and you make a mush out of it. Like you have water and flour and you make a paste out of it or, or a dough out of it. But in any event, uh, eating the, the, the chocolate to the milk or adding the coffee to the water is not considered to be, by us, considered to be any child about Tzviyah. I will tell you that my Rebbe, Rav Zim in Zatzal, was concerned about it, and he preferred that you added the water to the tea rather than the tea to the water. And uh, He felt that that avoided the Shaila from Tzviyah Ba'ichlin. The water is the colorless thing, and you're eating the tea to, the, to that. But whereas the um, whereas the tea is already a dark color, or whatever, and you're eating water, it dilutes it. It doesn't really create a new color. So that's what he preferred, even though he told us that there really is no tzviyah b'ayachim. There's no real, there's no deal of, of, of coloring by food, but he felt it was still preferable to do what he did.
And he discusses here, Rabbi Hilid would discuss the style of writing with chocolate syrup. And he brings that Rabelsky said, Rabelsky Zatzal said, that it's permitted. And the question was, some desserts are decorated with a chocolate swirl. The question is whether this is considered writing, which would be forbidden on Shabbos, and he says that Rabelsky permitted it. I want you to know, uh, in general, what Rabbi Leibowitz was very close to Rabbi Belsky, and he, he asked him a, a million questions. This he's quoting, however, an OU document. So, because the OU has documents in their files where they have sukkim and different rabbanim and different discussions of halakha. So this is document, OU, OU document S18. If you get a hold of that document, you see how Rebelsky wrote it. Um, not sure, not sure exactly how this came down, but that's how he quotes it over here. Then he discusses the child of breaking letters and the, and the chocolate. That, that's, you know, everyone knows about that question. You can't do mechika on Shabbos. You can't, uh, you know, you can't erase. And if you have a written word, a written letter, and you break it, in a sense, you're erasing the letter eating it, maybe derech achilim if you permitted, but in any other way, there's a shayla. So he discusses that. And the, the advice of the Mishnah Brewer is that if the letters are not part of the food itself, then you then may, when may you not break the food. He may only place the food in his mouth, even though the letters or image were them before you eat them. With the minigas not to put any lettering on a cake. The problem is the decorations on the side of the cake. Around the perimeter of the cake you also have decorations. Looks like flowers, looks like swirls. Is that considered to be a something that was written and now this is a mechika? For that you have to ask your own words. Now we come to the Kashmir. And this is a very interesting area. I've mentioned it before. It's extremely interesting for the following reason. That we in America are more Mahkamir now than pretty much the whole Europe as far as chocolate goes. In other words, if you, if you buy a, a, a European chocolate, from many countries. I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to answer specific questions because I don't have the, the, the knowledge about each one of them. But it's, a, it's totally acceptable in Europe to kosher the chocolate equipment with chocolate as opposed to water. That's a, a practice that's being done in Europe and it's been done that way forever. And in America, in the United States, that's the way we used to do it. But over the last, I don't know, I'm not sure, I don't want to say a wrong number, 25 years, maybe I'm off by something, but let's say 25 years in the United States, we don't do that. I'm talking about the major calculator. We don't do that anymore. We say you have to have designated part of equipment or somehow you have to, whatever it is, cash written, water and, and take your take your chances
many many products that use part of the chocolate, but a company need needs to cash the equipment if they make both parva and dairy on the same machinery. So most of the production of chocolate does not require heat, except the conch. We discussed that before. The conch was the way that they made the chocolate in the very beginning. What he said was that the um, the conch, the chocolate goes in a conch, a machine that refines the chocolate and blends it into a smooth paste. That's the only one that actually uses regular heat. But, I know, uh, so chocolate companies are unwilling to introduce water to the chocolate machines since it can potentially damage the product. So therefore, an alternative approach may be to run chocolate through the system and consider it cautious with chocolate. However, this is a big muff like this. The Ramor says that you should not kasha with any liquid other than water, but, he says, Bidyevid, one is allowed to use other liquids to kasha. Now, what does that mean? First of all, we have to understand what Bidyevid is. This is the first thing that I teach when I teach every day. I mean, there's a lot of first things I teach. <laughs> if you ever come to this year, you'll see I, a lot of first things I teach. This first, I have a whole bunch of firsts, but this is one of the firsts. It definitely is, and usually it's the first. I, I say, what does it mean that something is mutter bidiyevit, that's permitted after the fact? Does that mean, am I going to take something that's not kosher and make it kosher by bidiyevit? Better, better yet, but let's go a step further. Yes, in bidiyevit, in the, in the after the fact situation, we have all kinds of levels. Level one, two, three. Let me give you level two and three. Level two and three is Hefsin Maruba, a major loss. Level three would be Hefsin Maruba and Sarach Mitzvah. It means it is a big loss and then you need it for a mitzvah. What's the mitzvah? For example, covered Shabbos or covered Orchem. That means that that's something that we say is treif. It's usher. It's 100%. You can't do it. When it comes to bidiyevet, and you need the food for Shabbos, we look the other way. We say, okay, you can use it for Shabbos. You can lose it for your, for your relatives and friends who are coming to visit you. I mean, that's the time you want to be machmir. You don't want to cheat on that halacha. But the halacha is it's mutter. In those cases. So how could something that's not kosher become kosher because you want to serve, you, you invited three guests for Shabbos? How could it, if it's not kosher, it's not kosher. How could it be mutabidiyevet? How could it be mutabidiyevet? Hefzabarub, a big loss. For Shabbos, for, for your relatives, for your friends, how could something that's, that's also become mutter? So here's what I always tell the story. The story is, that there was an apikaris, somebody who was anti-religious. He's lost, lost soul. But he asked him, how did you become this apikaris? He said, I used to sit by the rabbi, and I would see all the people coming in to the rabbi. For example, I would see somebody come in, uh, a, a woman come in, Erev Shabbos, and she wasn't dressed well. 
and she's obviously not a rich woman. And it's Erev Shabbos, very close to the, the, the actual start of Shabbos. And she would have a chicken, and in the chicken would be a pin stuck in the, uh, in, in the stomach of the chicken. And the rabbi would look at the chicken, and look at the woman, look at the woman, look at the chicken, back and forth, and he would say, kosher, have a good Shabbos. And she would go home and make it. And that was a chicken soup and a chicken, and that was her Shabbos. In the middle of the week, Wednesday, a man would walk in well-dressed, very confident, very relaxed. He'd show the rabbi a chicken with a needle sticking into the same place, in the same place in the stomach. And the rabbi would look at the man and look at the chicken and look at the man and look at the chicken, and he would say, Trey, buy another chicken. So you ask, why am I not because? That's why the man became an architect. But that means he didn't understand my first lesson. can't be matir and iser with the other. You can't let something go if it's trade. What really happened here is the halacha says it's mutter and we're supposed to be machmir when we can. So really that woman is the just like that for that woman. But the man, was the halacha said, that the rabbi understands that the halacha said that you can't, you should be machmir. We have to, we have to, l'chathchila, we're machmir, and we are strict, and we don't accept it. But b'diyevet, that's halacha. You can't make a new halacha b'diyevet. That is the halacha. Whenever something's mutter b'diyevet, or have some aruba, kavad orchim, kavad shabbos, whatever it is, when the final halacha is, we allow it one time, that means it really is mutter every time. But we're not allowed to use that heter. We have to be machmir l'chatil. That's what we see over here. Now, uh, so... That, 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 so that, that's how it comes out. Now, I'm going to go give you one more, two of the things. We have a few minutes left. Uh, he talks a bit about waiting six hours for the children. I don't, that's not for us to hear. He shiles about Bishalakum. His Bishalakum situation really is a question of uh, if, it, if it's served at a king's table. So he says if you're at a very fancy uh, wedding and uh, some fancy meal and they're serving chocolate there and there's fresh with chocolate, so I suppose then it does become a fancy thing. All right, I'm not going to get into that now. Now, milk chocolate. Oh, so, I, so what happened was like this. We in this country we did never accepted, I mean, we accepted the, the, the chocolate that was done by koshering by, by chocolate. The Ramah says, if you have to do it, you're allowed to do it. And that was the halacha. And that's what they're doing in Europe now. And in America, we did it until 25 years ago. We always koshered with chocolate. That's all we had. Then what happened is, the OU got Machmir in it, the OK got into it, and a lot of the Hamish groups got into it, and we got designated part of a chocolate company. We got designated equipment, and we got away from using that kind of chocolate. And even though that chocolate is halachically kosher, because if it's mutter bidiyevet, it's mutter. That's the story I'm telling you. But still, we don't want to use that anymore, because we, we're, we're trying to do kosher on a little bit higher level. And that's, that's why 
it ended up different here than in Europe. Now, can you buy that chocolate that's being sold in Europe? For that, you have to ask your own rabbi. Remember, today in America, it's, it's, it's pretty much uh, available the same quality. And if not the same quality, pretty close to it. So you have to ask that child of your own love whether or not you have a right to rely on the heterim that they're using in Europe for chocolate. Uh, I have more to say on that, but not for today. The big child at the end, the bombshell of the child, we discussed it at the time that came up, is that some of the Hanukkah guilt says on top of it, believe it or not, in God we trust. And it's written out, G-O-D, stamped on. That's a shayla. So, uh, you know, is it, it, it there in Mechika, shame, erasing Hashem's name? So some say it's a different language. Some say, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 it is the shame of Hashem. It's certainly, we say, no pun in it's not, it's not appropriate for that, such a thing. It's not appropriate at all. And uh, we would advise people not to use those coins uh, where any of these chocolate pieces that say, in God we trust. Uh, you still have to dispose of it, even the tins on the outside, you have to be careful how you dispose of it. But uh, many of Mako, let me ask your own love. I'm not going to tell you where to go with that. I see the time is, uh, has, <laughs> the time is gone already. It moved very quickly. And I didn't get even to one, you know, tenth of what I have sitting here. I have to, I have to owe you these things for the next time. They're beautiful pieces from Rabbi Yehuda Spitz, a good friend of mine, and some others that we have here about uh, eating at a wedding. That was a great one. I have to bring that. I'll make sure I do that next week. as Hashem Bar. So until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And if you're interested in getting Kashrus Magazine or our kosher travel guide to the 401, by the way, they're, they're, people find this all the time, the, the kosher travel guide to the 401 cities across the United States, all 50 states included. And uh, we have that available, and we have the kosher, tra- kosher supervision guide to the 1,427 kosher agencies across the world. And by the way, we're coming up with our addendum to that, which is coming out in a few weeks, and that's going to include about 100 additional hashkafas, maybe it's not 100, maybe it's 50, I don't know. There's a lot. I don't have the paperwork in front of me. By the way, we have a lot of new names of hashkafas and a lot of changes and important information in the addendum, which is included free with a, super, with a, with a copy of the Kosher uh, Kosher's magazine and, of course, with a subscription to the magazine. And uh, if you're interested in either of those or any of those things I'm mentioning, you can call us at 718-336-8544, or you can email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Again, the number is 718-336-8544, and the email address is kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. And until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, Wishing you a wonderful week.